he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here as I am every week with my one and only cohort, Alex Apostolidis. And today, because it's our STSU series, we have with us Alvida T. Bauer from Cohort 2, a recent graduate of the Meeting and Events Master's program. And so welcome, Alvita. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Anthony and Alex. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Nice meeting you both. And we are meeting for the first time. We (laughs) we had a few uh, email exchanges, but uh, we wanted to get somebody on the show who has the perspective of having been a recent graduate and what it's done for them so far. And so we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on this Monday evening because you're in the Richmond area. If Normally I am in Richmond, but today I'm actually in Boston, Massachusetts. I love that city. Yes, Mm. I'm here actually for our first team meeting of our marketing group at the company that I work for. Which is Panorama Education, which is really intriguing what y'all are doing over there at Panorama Education. Yes. Uh, Go ahead. Tell us. Tell us about it. It's a really incredible program. Educational technology company. We focus on SEL, um, MTSS, which are multi-tier systems support. We provide a tool that helps educators to analyze their data and put in place systems of support for their students to help them succeed. So it's very rewarding knowing that as an event manager and we're ramping up our in-person events for 2022, post pandemic, it's really great to see the work that comes out of that and the awareness that we're bringing to the marketplace about the product and also the connections that are being made with our customers as well as um, folks at our company with our customers. So it's, it's, it's awesome. Is this for all levels of education or is it for upper, you know, higher education or elementary on up? What our main focus is K through 12. So okay. we're targeting school districts all across the country within the U.S. Um, and um, so far, we're in over, we're actually supporting over 15 million students. Yes. Wow. In all 50 states. So in all 50 and states. Growing. Yes, and, and growing. So, you know, it's important that we have our meetings and in our events, um, especially, especially the external ones that um, promote, again, promote the product and also bring people together to learn more about what we do and how we can help students succeed. That's awesome. It's really intriguing that you're using data uh, analysis, which is part of the <laughs> teaching in this course, 
um, as um, a, really as a service, really uh, with your with your clients and showing them not only how to get the data, I assume, but also how to use it, how to read it. Well, they yeah, they have the data, but sometimes in various different places and formats. And so our tool aggregates the data and then helps to show, give them data driven insights from the data in a simplified format mm. so that they can identify areas of opportunity where they can help students that may be falling behind um, because someone could be an A student, but then uh, socially and emotionally be struggling in that area, you know, or they may have something going on at home where their grades reflect their success but then maybe they're getting into fights at school or maybe they're getting into arguments at school, even though they're doing well academically, but there's areas where they may need that support or that encouragement or that, um, you know, that focus to help them become more well-rounded um, as, as a student. So that's what we, and also attendance is another thing that we look at, um, but the class, actually helped me a lot. So I've used data in previous roles and previous companies, but I always had this slight fear about the data <laughs> because it can be overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what um, our data-driven decisions class taught me was just a very simplistic way of thinking about data, identifying what you're trying to measure mm -hmm. what you want to measure what you want to accomplish because a lot of times you get a, a huge spreadsheet with just all kinds of facts and figures and you're like what do I do with this and we're thinking about it the wrong way we're, we're so busy collecting it that we don't take the time and use do the, the, the due diligence in the forefront to say okay what are our goals mm -hmm. what do we want to measure and then go about saying okay how do we want to measure that and then getting the data <laughs> right? and deriving the insights. A lot of times we get all the data collected right. and it and we just, it's too much and no one ends up using it. It just ends up in a, a folder on somebody's drive, you know? So, but the class helped break it down to a very simplistic way, of, uh, way that I could digest it. And um, we had this great book that we used called Data Story by Nancy Duarte. Mm -hmm. It was a Fabulous read, very, very helpful book to help um, in visualizing the data and um, presenting data. Mm -hmm. And so that that course actually helped me tremendously in this role that I have at Panorama. And so I'm able to bring that to the table and I, I'm excited about using it. It's great that you say that because most of us went into that class without much uh, experience working with data at all and you already had experience when you took the class so you you also felt your skill level rise as a as a result of taking it which is great to hear yes I that did you know it wasn't so elementary that you know we we just learned the very 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 basics it's it's great to know that you you also came away with something I did I, I really did and it made me feel more confident and help, help me to be more confident, help me to feel more confident about using data and then deriving insights. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I have a, my mindset's a little different. I'm always looking for how can I measure that or how should we measure, you know, X, Y, Z or what can we get out of what we're doing? So I'm looking for outcomes as opposed to just completing tasks. I want to make mm-hmm. sure that whatever we're doing, we're able to, to make it repeatable and measurable. So you are the event professional and strategist with Panorama and a project manager as well, yes? And uh, Yes, I am. I, I focus on external facing events. I, I work on our demand generation team. So my role is more for, um, is to help create events that will generate leads for our sales force. So ah. it's really important that um, whenever we have whether it's an event that we're participating in or an event that uh, external event that we ourselves are creating and um, putting on for the public that we're capturing you know, information that we process the leads through Salesforce so that our salespeople can then, our revenue team can then follow up on the leads and then hopefully generate new business from what we're doing. Revenue team, not sales team. Well, they're the, they're one and the same. I say sales. I figured. No, I just wondered I if that's it. Revenue is what we call it at yeah. our company. No, that's, but I'm, I, I'm so used to hit sales. Right. Our terminology is a little bit different. So, in fact, I should say revenue squad because squad is the. Ah. Uh, I like that. No, it's <laughs> right. I like it's that. An inter- interesting vernacular to sort of take the way the the ping of sales out of the equation. You know. Dirty yeah. word. And, well, it is. There's it, such a stigma with it to right. take that away and make it seem more like a cheer squad, right? You know, right? Which I think is great. Yeah, we 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 have squads at our company, and uh, it's taken a little bit of time for me to get adjusted. As you can tell, I'm still using some of the old older mm-hmm. terminology, but at the same time, sometimes when you're speaking to the general public, they're like, "What is that?" Right, right. <laughs> they don't know what right, 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 right. I'm like, it's the sales team. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just get straight to the point. So so you have events then that have to be measured, right? You have to be measuring your KPIs, your key performance indicators, because I'm assuming when you have those events, it's about how many leads you get, how many you get in the system, uh, and what other measurements do you look for in those events? Well, one of the things I'm discovering is it depends on the type of event. So for instance, if it's an event that we are producing, um, that's, I would say, a panorama sponsored event. So we would be looking at attendance numbers. So a number of people that actually registered for the event versus the number that actually showed up to the event. And our communications, if we had uh, how many people opened uh, the invitation email, to the event, how many people clicked on the link to just look at the information about the event? Were there any demos that came out of out of the attendance number? So those that are attended our event, did we have an opportunity to demo our product with them? And then we also try to track those leads onto sales to see what type of influence have we influenced any of those sales through the event because someone attended our event. So we try to follow the whole life cycle of the people that attend uh, for our, our sponsored events. And then for events that we attend and get lead lists from, 
we're looking at interactions of people at our booth or if we're having a strat a, uh, leading a strategy session or a session where uh, we have a speaking part or com component to it, then we're looking at how many people actually attended that session at someone else's event. So we've got several um, different things that we're looking at depending on the type of event that we're participating in. Can you give us an idea of the number of those events on an annual basis, uh, ones that you sponsor and others that you participate in? Do you have sort of a rough idea? I'm sure you do. Well, well we're just now ramping back up. So I was hired in November to the company. Oh, new to the company. Brand yes, new. Brand, brand new. Like shiny new. Brand spanking yes, new. Yes. Um, and so as far as our in-person events, we hadn't done any because of the pandemic for almost two years. So right now what I'm doing is creating our strategy around what events we all attend, if we're going to do sponsorships for some things instead of events, depending on where it is in the region. We're targeting certain, um, certain states that are important to us in terms of business. Uh, we're looking at things that are from a quarterly basis. I'm still a little playing it a little safe because of COVID. Um, I don't want us to run into an instance where we have to cancel or we've paid for something and are unable to attend. So we've been taking right. it on a quarterly basis. So right now we have about, let's say, eight planned in-person events um, for the remainder of the year. And then there are almost, oh gosh, probably 30 or more regional, national, and what I call local state events that we're planning to attend. Mm. So um, thankfully, uh, this actually this week on this past Wednesday, I got promoted. So I'm now wow. being an event marketing manager. <laughs> I am the manager of events marketing, and I'll actually be hiring two new um, employees to come on and work on our team. So hopefully we'll have two more, you know, squad members that can assist with those 30 plus events. Yes, <laughs> you're going to need that. Yes. And what mix of the events uh, is, is attributed to sales? How, how much of the investment goes to events for, for future revenue as opposed to other types of marketing? I would say of, from a budget standpoint, we probably have, it's a little conservative right now, mm -hmm. um, probably between the five and 10% of our total revenue is, to, is, is attributed to our events. Keeping in mind that the types of events that are put on um, in, the educational market are a little different. I'm actually learning this myself. <laughs> a lot of times they're put on by associations or mm -hmm. local districts. Mm -hmm. So um, for instance, there's an event that, we, that we're attending that's coming up um, next month. And the group that is putting it on, they're doing a lot of the legwork, which is a little different and it's an adjustment for me. So I'm used to having you know an exhibitor 
um, like exhibits, services, exhibitor services, desk. Whereas this group is actually, we're shipping our things to the group. And then I think they're bringing them to the venue. And so it's just, a, it's a little little different mm-hmm. in how they operate. So that's taking some adjusting on my end. Um, not wrong, just different, you know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand because some of the services can be a little expensive, but we, um, because of that, the cost for some of these events are not as, it's not as expensive as sure. other industries. So that's why the budgets are, you know, is, is where it is right now. Are you, uh, do you have a personal goal or a professional goal to increase that amount from five to 10%? Is, is there a little? Yes. And I do have, a, I, I would say our company is very um, open to new ideas. Um, they're welcoming to having us build things out. And that is definitely supported by the fact that they're willing to hire two new people to Mm -hmm. come on to help with, um, you know, the events. They see the value in it. And even with some of the ones that we've done so far, we we can see the influence dollars coming in from the events that we've hosted because our revenue team or not outreach folks have had those close conversations with potential customers and for some of those interactions and for customers to come and learn about our event Mm -hmm. they excuse me about our product at our event that's like been the impetus to them like presenting to the school board and getting approval to use Uh our product so we building those relationships is really important so I actually see us doing more panorama sponsored events nice for our clients in the future do you think the covid had anything to do with this uh i'm not i i value that's being placed on in-person events now um was there a decrease in revenue obviously because did you no no, no? there wasn't a no not but there no in, no increase though or very flat uh, not, yeah. I wouldn't say that either. Our company has been growing year over year. We're, we were, uh, I'd say we're a mid-sized startup, but we've, we've had, we've been successful. Um, and a lot of that, I think we, there was a shift to our virtual events, which I still, um, we have a mm. virtual summit that's coming up in August. Woo-hoo. And I'm part of the planning team for that. In fact, all of us, it's all hands on deck <laughs> for that. But we had one in February um, and had a high attendance rate there. Um, and same thing that we're targeting for the one that's coming up in August. So there was a shift to the virtual space and it was seemed it still propelled the business. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It works in that market. Mm-hmm. It works. It does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> with the need for education and how things changed during COVID and school being virtual, do you think that that helped propel your business? Because now everybody's scrambling and they need to find new technology and they also need to find new ways of teaching kids so and reaching them. Do you think that helped? Yeah, I think it helped. I also think that the need for support for our students is a big, I mean, mm-hmm. as you can see with what's going on in the news, our students and our young people are going through a lot. 
and so are our educators. And so anything that can be done to lighten the load and help them to relate to one another as well as to each other. Mm -hmm. So teachers need that same support Mm -hmm. that the students, they need to come in with a a positive mindset and they need to make sure, you know, our school district leaders have to make sure that the educators are taken care of, that their social emotional well-being is, you know, that they feel good about what they're doing, that they feel like they can relate to their students. And then that then turn helps them relate to the students and have good relationships, the positive behaviors, reinforcing those behaviors, implementing interventions when needed. Mm-hmm. All of that comes into play. And so I feel like the pandemic, there was like pluses and minuses. Mm-hmm. Right. Plus, it had helped the virtual space to be more widely accepted and it gives us more flexibility in the way that it's used to connect a uh, perfect example i started in the company at this company in november and i've seen everyone from the neck up <laughs> and i've only met one person on my team in person and that's because she yeah. came to one of the events that we um in-person events that we had a couple months ago. And so today I went to the office and immediately I just we saw I saw people that I've worked with for the last, you know, seven months and gave them hugs because we've seen each other. We know right. each other, you know. Right. So that would not have been possible two, two and a half, three years ago mm-hmm. in most spaces. And then the other piece is having the support, um, you know, bring the the other plus is by not meeting it now everybody wants to meet mm-hmm. people have learned the value of those <laughs> interpersonal connections and being in person and the importance of you know seeing people you know and so i also believe that because there was a shift to virtual events more people had to take on the role of planner that aren't usually planners, because a lot of us planners got laid off. I know I got laid off from my previous employer and I was out for 19 months, which is why I went to school. School, good for you. I was like, why not? (laughs) You know, Um, but because other people had to plan these events and they they saw, oh, it's not as easy as I I thought it was going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. oh, I have to do this and that. And so now people, because that piece was missing, a lot of companies are seeing the value that we as meeting professionals bring to the table. It's not easy. There is a strategy behind it. There are things that you may not have thought of that we as trained professionals think of. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a special gift. I look at what I do as a gift. I have a gift. And so do a lot of other meeting professionals. It's not... Um, it's, you know, we're not party planners and nothing against the party planners, No, but there, cause there's still strategy in that, those types of events as well, but it's a strategic role that has a, a purpose of bringing people together to do business, to come out with some type of results. And mm-hmm. that's what we do as meeting professionals and event professionals. And then it's about live interaction and being able to maneuver uh, 
a million directions at once over a mm -hmm. span of time and have it all front and center in your mind when you need it. So it is a gift. It is not for everyone. And it's, it's not unlike building a show, directing a show, because mm -hmm. once you set it all in motion, you just have to sort of watch it and guide it. You have no more control over it, right? It takes a life of its own. Uh, so it is very strategic, very, very, you need skills. Yes, you do. And, you know, just before I forget this, because I've been wanting to, to go back to this idea that in your in your school system, in, in your in your uh, curriculum, excuse me, uh, and it's not really a curriculum, is it? It's more a uh, what is it? What are you, what product are you selling? It's it's a so it's a software as a service. Software is so SaaS. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. okay, so. Um, what I love so much about it is the holistic approach to education mm -hmm. and the fact that it is about um, behavior and, yeah. um, you know, keeping, uh, having a watchful eye and looking for yeah. certain things, right? Yeah. Um, I wonder if during COVID, not to bring that up again, but did it bring new opportunities in terms of new challenges or was it the same kind of structure working now that kids were home? My understanding was that it brought about new challenges for the educators, having children mm. at home. So you're not, you're seeing people on a virtual space. Um, some educators had students that didn't show up for class mm -hmm. um, and it was hard for them to keep up with certain, you know, just taking attendance could take a long time. I remember right. um, my child was in uh, senior in high school and I recall being in the room when their teacher was calling roll and it took like 15 minutes for them to do that. So imagine that taken away from your their instructional mm -hmm. time and the students not getting what they need. 15 minutes of every class is taken away from them mm -hmm. for doing attendance virtually. Mm -hmm. Some of it had to do with the educator not maybe not being familiar with the Zoom or whatever they were using. Um, but at the same time, having the data about who was there, who had who was in class, um, who missed class. Why did they miss class? Those are the things that a district leader or a principal might want to have visibility to so they can identify, hey, this group of students hasn't been showing up for the virtual class. Maybe we can send a survey out to find out why that's happening or we need to contact their parent and put some things in place, um, checks and balances. Maybe it's someone calls and reaches out to them. Is it because they don't have a computer, mm -hmm. at a laptop to use or a mm -hmm. cell phone that they can use to get on? So maybe we need to, to get them the technology or whatever they need, or maybe they don't have internet in their neighborhood, right? you know, or where they live. So right. those are the kinds of things that you're able to drill down to when you see, okay, why is it that everybody in this zip code isn't on their online class? Well, they don't have Wi-Fi in their area. 
<laughs> right. So we need to get them my buys or, you know, whatever they need. So that's a good thing. I think that came mm-hmm. that we, that some of the things that we do where I work is to help people see what it is that they might need to do more of or, or change. I love this because you're personalizing education, mm-hmm. which is what it should be. Education yeah. shouldn't be one size fits all right. because not all our kids are the same. So it's a really beautiful tool to help reach everybody and make all those kids and the teachers equally uh, important. The yes. teachers, I mean, I can only imagine because, you know, you spend a year trying to get through to a student and you just must you lose your wits over it because you don't really know what's going on. This this makes it so much easier for them to pinpoint where they should spend their efforts. Uh, yeah. It must be, a, I mean, the 17,000 plus schools that are now using Panorama Education, that's a testament, obviously. Yeah. That there's so many schools involved because it does make it easier. Yeah, the districts, It's a lot of school districts are using that, our product. And, um, you know, I just find it fascinating. We and the thing, one thing I will say about our company, we practice what we preach. So normally, when we have a meeting, at the very beginning, we do some type of check-in. So, like, I would ask mm-hmm. you all, and so we we didn't do it here, but I'll, I'll check in with you all and say, um, do you do you prefer coffee or do you prefer tea? What that's our check-in question today. Okay. What's coffee or tea? I'm a coffee guy. It depends on the time of day. <laughs> Me too, Alex. Mine depends on the time of day and also season. So I like mm-hmm. iced tea in the summer, coffee during like usually I only drink coffee during work days, but um I don't drink it on the weekend. <laughs> really? Um, I don't drink it on the weekend. I only drink it when I'm working, which is I don't know why that is, but I start. when I wasn't working. I didn't drink any coffee. When I started working from home, I started drinking coffee again. Wow. The best part of waking up is coffee in your cup. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we would uh, do a check-in and that's uh-huh. something that, that the teachers could do what they do with their students in the morning, checking mm, in, like asking that. a question of everyone just to go around quickly. It kind of helps to center the mind. It helps uh, sometimes the questions can lead to other things and the teachers can learn a little bit more about their students and the students about their teacher and it helps them build a relationship, you know, um, with the students. Mm-hmm. Is like this you, some, oh, go ahead. Like I'm sorry, you two just connected yeah. on the yeah. coffee tea thing. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That. Um, is this a program that is uh, utilized with online School. So my daughter just graduated. She entered high school when the p- pandemic hit. And the thought of being on a computer for six hours a day was it, sitting through those classes. It just wasn't going to work for her. So w- she transferred to an online charter school. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> there are definite pluses and there are definite minuses there. Is this something your program can work for those for those online Charters. schools? Well, our pro, our what we our our tool is more for the school administrators and mm-hmm. the teachers. So, again, we're taking their data into our system, mm-hmm. 
and giving them insight. So how the schools choose to use the techniques and the different um, features. Yeah, the well, it's not the features of no. our product. It, how they choose to like create the interventions or create the programs, <laughs> the what they do. We don't come up with the what they do so much. We're more of here's all your student data, here's mm -hmm. all your attendance data, here's the grades, here's everything that you've got, and then we lay it out for them so they can see it by this whole district, by school by classroom, by grade, down to individual students. So, so it could be applied. Yeah. Across, yeah, across yeah. the board. Does it continually upload the uh, attendance reports? Is it is it like a, is it yeah, right it into your that, system? Yes, it's right into the system. Mm. So everything's integrated with this, whatever systems the school has and it has approved to be integrated into our tool, that's mm -hmm. what's integrated into our tool. And then that way the, the leadership can drill down and look, and look at it. And there's different components that they can purchase. Um, a, lot of, a, a lot of educators know our company for our survey tool, which is where we kind of started. Our founder, Aaron uh, Fuhrer, started with, uh, his mission was to get more initial mission way, way, way back when, before the company was even a company, was to have the students have more input. And so, and the in parents and students to have more input. And um, so he wanted to create a survey where schools could actually ask the students, like, how are we doing? <laughs> how are your teachers doing? Um, and so, our survey tool is, is probably what most people are familiar with when they look at Panorama, but then there's a bunch of other components that we have with our student success and now our, our new behavior tool that helps um, with creating um, interventions mm -hmm. and uh, tracking behavior of students. So um, it helps with some of the reporting that's required too from um, state state departments of education, sometimes and even federal, there's some reporting that some schools have to turn in. And so they're able to go in and they can pull reporting and utilize all of that. It uh, Most of the schools have the data. It's just not all in one place. Right. I remember being at an in-person meeting and listening to a customer um, back in January. And, we, and one of our um, outreach folks was demoing the product. And um, she said, oh my gosh, you mean, she's like, I got five spreadsheets I've been using trying to oh figure this out. <laughs> and she said, you mean to tell me everything can go in here and I can, and I would see it like this. I mean, literally it's color coded with like a stoplight, red, yellow, green. It's mm -hmm. that simple. So, mm -hmm. you know, red means someone's having problems, yellow, mm -hmm. something, you know, yield like it's like okay this is an area of concern green means everything's good to go great it's that simple to look at you know like and mm -hmm, it's a dashboard basically yeah. with the student information wow so i have a i have another question about that but i want to ask you about events so sure. you, have, you have eight in persons that are coming up so uh what is what are some of the types of events that you're you're going to host 
what we'll actually have two going on this week. Uh, one's tomorrow, uh, and I won't be there. It's in Utah. We have a meetup uh, that is going on um, where we've invited some of the districts there to come and learn about our product, to also network with other districts. So there will be some new, uh, some potential customers and then existing customers at the event. Um, and we'll have a product, a more extensive product demonstration for them to kind of help them know how they can find insights and share best practices that other districts are using as far as finding insights. I think mm. sometimes even with our tool, some of the districts, people may struggle with, okay, we've got it all here. It's all pretty, but okay, what, is, what does that mean? What are right. you telling right. you know. And that's the same thing, going back to what we talked about early on, the data can be overwhelming, no matter mm -hmm. what format it's in. So how do you, how do you just grab the insights from it? And what does it tell the, how do you tell the story through it is the, the challenge that some people have. So that one's happening. Um, and then there's another um, one that's going on and where is, oh my gosh. In Tennessee, that we have coming up, and we have a person that's exhibiting there. It's more of a trade show format. So, so when you when you host an event, is it a lunch? Is it a do you uh, do sort of a three hour seminar kind of format? Is that? It depends. Uh, the we had two meetups in Missouri. One was in St. Louis, and one was in. Um, Kansas City. Those were all day. So um, a meetup that started at like 7.30 in the morning until all day, meaning all school day. So until 3.30 p.m. And that encompassed, uh, we had a one of our teaching and learning folks came and was a facilitator. He designed a fabulous program where there was a panel discussion. We had roundtable discussion that was actually led by some of the districts. Mm. Um, and so it gave the attendees an opportunity to learn from their peers. And um, that was very well received. And then we also had a training component in there and um, more collaboration with them to kind of talk about the best practices. So that's one format. Um, the other things that we're looking to do that we haven't done yet are um, possibly hosting some type of customer event or client event where we could have a round table or um, a super user conference. These are things that are down the road a bit, mm -hmm. but these are some of the ideas that I've been kind of- Pushing forward. Socializing. Yeah, just trying mm -hmm. to see what's the, you know, what's the, temperature on what if we did this you know mm -hmm. um and planting seeds about it i haven't pushed hard because in order to do those types of things you have to have support and right, right. now it's just me right. and you know, <laughs> from the meeting front and then some folks that are very gracious on our team that have stepped up to help there's always so. tomorrow yeah, so it's a balance. Oh, that's right. It's, it's always, a tricky balance. It's like right. I want to, you want to do all these things, but you have to have the. That's important. You have to have the infrastructure to do it. You know, mm -hmm. you got to have people. You have to have materials and supplies. And if you're exhibiting, you have to have the the right combination of exhibit materials. So 
it's there's more to it than just hey let's show up and plan a, right. plan an event <laughs> so, so who is responsible for the programming is that under your uh it's under my, as well yes and i and i also meet with folks on our revenue team so there's i have a bi-weekly meeting with um, some of our leaders on the sales side and we go through our calendar and we look at, I do the legwork to investigate any external face, any external events that we don't produce. Um, and we, I looked for certain things, I actually came up with a rubric to kind of help guide the discussion because we have to look at who's attending, um, how many people are in attendance, is it in an area, meaning geographically, that is an area of focus for us. Um, we have a certain target audience that we target for our events. Are they attending? And then we go from there in terms of whether we decide to commit or not. And some of them, you know, there's maybe some smaller districts that host a conference, but it's not feasible for us to fly someone across right. the country for an event that, you know, right. is going to yield like a, a hundred people. Yeah. But what we can do is support through sponsorship. Maybe we could be a sponsor for them. Mm -hmm. So I have to weigh those things um, and look at the business case and I, and then I make decisions from there. Absolutely, because you know you still have goals. It's not like you could be willy nilly with these events and yes, you know, you have to be strategic. And I assume that's one of the reasons why you took the the master's program, you went through it, uh, you know, to, to be more strategic or feel more confident in your strategies, either one. Yeah. Um, is there a season to your business? Is there a season to the event planning within the realm of your business? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually learning. So this has been an, a time of discovery for me. I am noticing that as with most, it's funny how this works, as with most conferences, and conventions, the fall tends to be the heavy time period. I attribute that somewhat to the cyclic, like the fiscal calendar year for many states and government entities. And that's one thing I, I didn't stress, but I had to shift my mindset because mm -hmm. what we're doing is B to G, so mm -hmm. business to government. Uh -huh. And so there's a huge difference in that. And that also, I should have mentioned that, that also, um, to me, influences the percentage that we use towards um, the, the expenses, you know, because you can only spend so much. There's, there are caps. Those people <laughs> yeah, are, yeah, there are certain caps. So that is a part of the, and why it's not as expensive as say, right. when I work with a fortune 10 company right. doing events, you know, we I, didn't I, spend money. Right. <laughs> you know, I, our budget was like, right. you know, so it's a little different. So that kind of is why, you know, there's, there's caps on what we can do per person. And I'm very cognizant of, of that, you know. Um, That's an interest. Sure. It's, it's interesting. That, and thank you for bringing mm -hmm. that up because mm -hmm. most most people don't really think about that as being one of the variables that we deal with in our world. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, and you have to be very, very careful. And also it's not just about your perception, but about theirs as well. That's why there's yes. a dollar amount, right? So yes. what you could think is bare bones, they're gonna think is too much frill. 
you know, so it's really, right. right. And what I think is, is um, like, and that's the other thing I had, I want to say bring down the level, but I had to, rem- I had to think through and ask a lot of questions. And that's mm-hmm. important as a, a planner to have that questioning mindset and to be curious because, and sometimes, and you have to sit back and kind of observe and, and infer and that's when I realized, I said, oh my gosh, I have to remember this is business to government. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, right. I'm used to buffets and, you know. Lavish, <laughs> right. Filet. Right. <laughs> so now we're doing, you know, and, and because of COVID also, but definitely now we're doing box lunches. But I, I wanted to say, like at the event we did in, um, in Kansas City, I was like, okay, yes, we can have a box lunch, but how can I elevate it where it's still a box lunch, Mm -hmm. but it's different. And so what I did was I asked the caterer to do a uh, deconstructed box lunch. Um, And so it gave people the choice. They felt Mm -hmm. they were, they were so excited. I was like, I've never seen people so excited. They're like, this is so nice. Like, I mean, we can pick what we want. I'm like, yeah, you can pick whatever you want, you know? And it was just half sandwiches and some soup and cups of fruit and, you know, that kind of thing. But it was the way it was done. It was a little, they weren't used to it, you know, because I wanted it to still be nice for, Good for you. And um, the other piece, too, is like facilities that we use. So I was used to going to a full service hotel and I've had to shift and, and they were used to doing some things at um, the school districts. Some of the districts have really, really nice facilities, but you have to bring the catering in, which I'm not a caterer. So I try to not do that. So I'm, I'm leaning more towards conference centers mm-hmm. where they have catering on site, mm-hmm. but the price point is you know, decent. It's like a school, but not a school. And, you know, that takes the lift off of our team to not have to worry about, you know, moving soda cans and that kind of stuff. And so, um, so we can focus on the program, but those are the kinds of things, you know, as an event manager, you have to think about, you know, Mm -hmm. and in our, in our industry, it was, again, it was a shift for me because I was used to working for, you know, fortune, 10 company and then mm-hmm. top 25 accounting firm and it was just a little different <laughs> yeah you put a deconstructed uh you know box lunch down in front of those people and unless they're getting ready to go to the airport or, or go on a golf outing they're not having it they sure not they're not they want some hot lunches and supper <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and that too is a lesson because it is. you know, you really not that you brought down your standards, but you had no. to think about it in a different way. Yes. And that's that's being professional and that's doing what you need to do, right? So you sort of have to tuck away your own, you know, little uh, well, I wouldn't really do it this way, but okay, this is the way we do it, you know, and make it work. Uh, yeah. and know where the know where the priorities are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And understanding your audience, understanding mm-hmm. your internal customer. But, I, but I've always been when I want to try to find a way to like, how can I make this better? You know, how can I what can we do that's different? So like where I used to work, they always had some type of social aspect at their trainings. 
and they used to do karaoke all the time and I was just like okay this is great but how can we make this better and then I found a company that would have a live band with backup singers Mm -hmm. and we had live band karaoke Mm -hmm. and it was this band I was like you're the stars tonight and they're like what who's who's the band tonight and I'm like you are like y'all are the band they're like what and 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 so it was so much fun because they'd never done it before and I'm like who who doesn't want to be a rock star for a night and then it was less threatening because there were backup professional backup singers that kind of in between you know they would do a a set in between the actual people that were doing the karaoke but then they would help out you know and it was fun it was great think of how far advanced you're going to be once you get your wheels really turning here Mm -hmm. and how you're going to be successful getting people to your events over and above other events just by doing these things and being mindful of the experience Mm -hmm. yes and that's key is the mindfulness um and then just sometimes it's not complicated you know sometimes you can just take an idea and just take it to another place without it being complicated. It could be really, really simple. A simple change can make all the work difference in the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. I just like to work smart, not hard when I can. And I want to do what makes sense. Those mm-hmm. are the, the key components of how I, my mind works. I call that the path to least resistance, <laughs> yes. which is always... <laughs> Always the easiest thing to sell for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, we're getting the wrap sign, but before we wrap, um, I do want to uh, mention one other thing. It's, it's really kind of interesting that you're in education, I think, because I believe that I read an obituary for your father. Yes. Who is Alveston Taylor. Junior, mm-hmm. And he was an educator and a he principal. Was. And uh, what I read was really, really moving about how he made sure that his students had what they needed so that they could focus on learning. And so it seems like no, no uh, chance that you are a mere chance that you are now supporting students in your own way. Do you feel it's that? A- I do feel that. And it's funny because I worked for a medical company. My mom was a nurse and um, she actually passed away in December. December. That's all right. It's all good. It's been great. It was one of my greatest joys taking care of both of them. Um, God bless you. Yeah. Um, And then my father was an educator. And a fun fact, he was actually my principal of um, my high school. They transferred him there my sophomore year. And he had a dream when... um, I was, I think, four years old, and he told my mom that he dreamt he would give me my diploma, and he did. Oh my gosh! Oh, I just yeah. got goosebumps. That's so that's incredible. Everything has come full circle, and as my mom always said, wow. everything happens in divine yeah. order. That's yes. right, divine right timing. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Although the next time we talk, I'm going to ask you how you really felt when your father was transferred to your school. I uh, wasn't happy. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> Not at that and point did, in your life. And it was, yeah. And also it was weird because it was like having a single parent because we never, t- well, I'm glad it happened though, because it taught me how to compartmentalize things. And we never talked about school. I never mm-hmm. talked about school with my dad. It was just 
something. My mom was the one I went to to talk about school stuff. Um, I rode the bus to school every day, even though we went to the same place. The only thing he would laugh about is sometimes I forget to get my lunch money from my mom and I tell the cafeteria later if she just to get it from my dad. I tell her, yeah, like, from my dad. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, we it was it was we never talked about stuff dealing with school just to keep it keep the line that line we didn't cross. And you didn't take any hack for that? No, a lot of people didn't know he was my dad. And then then when they found out, you know, but I thought, but how I looked at it was like, who really talks to the principal? I'd see him and I'd just kind of be like, hey, like, (laughs) like I would do a regular principal, you know? And so, uh, yeah, but everybody knew, I think it was good because everybody knew me first. He didn't come till my sophomore year. So everybody knew me knew how I was and I didn't really get any any flag for it or anything well maybe you didn't resemble him at that time oh but no you, I resemble, you resemble I him I look yes, yes. like I looked like him my entire life okay yes I was gonna say I don't know how anybody could have missed that <laughs> yeah they didn't know they didn't they didn't catch on somebody was actually talking about him in front of me and someone else hit hit them and was like that's her dad and they were like what <laughs> it doesn't matter I was like, say what you're fine. gonna say it's fine yeah. you know he's the principal yes. comes with the comes with the territory <laughs> <laughs> well Alvita thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us your perspective and um you know being in the uh ht not the htm but the mem program at sdsu and uh, how you're using it today in your work. And congratulations, by the way. It sounds Thank like you a- so much. It's been a pleasure. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to both you and your listeners. Thank you. We'll Thank have you, you back. Yes. Oh, wonderful. I'd love, love it. Absolutely. Let us know when you have something going on that's really great you'd like to talk about. Absolutely. It'd be fun to have sounds you back. wonderful. so great to have Alvita with us Uh, again never met her so uh, meeting her for the first time and what an interesting job she has with this position you know just shows you that there's just so many ways in which we work you know in so many areas of life there's so many ways to get a job in in this profession Uh, really interesting and to have what she does and what she's learned uh, have such a beautiful end result Yes. That really spoke to me. Yes. She's out and there doing doing real good work and for kids you, and teachers. If you, if you go on Panorama uh, Education's website, you'll see uh, they have a dashboard on their website that shows the number of incidents that they've kept from happening. Uh, it, it's remarkable. The number, the 96% graduation rate that one high school is now at, you know, I mean, these are, the numbers were incredible. Um, and that holistic approach, mm-hmm. you know, that's really, mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And the fact that her father was a principal, that just really, that's like life, you know, just doing miraculous things. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he had a dream about it when she was four and then it came to fruition. Right. Right. God. You know? 
Well, everyone, that's the end of this podcast. If you have enjoyed listening, we hope you have, please give us five stars on Apple. Tell your friends about us if you're listening anywhere else. Also, leave us a comment or question on our website. Just go to bolada.com for the podcast tab and just leave whatever you'd like us to see in the box on that page and we'll get back to you. Uh, That's it for now. We'll talk to you again and we will say, get the hair out of your mouth. (laughs) Busted. I was busted. (laughs) And goodbye. Goodbye. Stay engaging. (laughs) 